Okay, fellas, we know that we love making stuff happen. When something is broke, we generally go into fix-it mode. I just love helping out. I just love being a problem solver. Hi, I'm Danny, and I'm joined here with my lovely wife, Mandy. Say hi, Mandy. Hi. And today we welcome you to this podcast about marriages and relationships where God is at the centre. And the topic for today is Mr. Fix-It. Just putting it out there, why is it uh, when your spouse has a problem that they get all upset when you jump in to try and help? Yeah, this is going to be a great topic and I'm sure we're going to have some fun with this one. Just to recap on us, we've been married for 42 years. If you listen to our last podcast, my gorgeous man corrected me on the years we were married. Well, Dan, you might need to rethink that one. The sums clearly show that we've only been married for 42 years. Okay. But give or take a year, we have two adult children who are married. We have six grandchildren aged from 8 to 18, nearly 18 years. And we were both uh, employed in challenging employment and now we are retired. And we've had a fantastic, challenging, fun and sometimes just hard life. But overall, I feel absolutely blessed in our marriage and our life where God is in the middle. You know, while you were talking then, I just did a bit of a quick calculation, you know, and you are right. It was, wow. So you've certainly fixed that problem. You're very funny. Yeah. So today we're going to share a little bit more about our lives and lessons learnt. Mr Fixit. Are you ready? Yeah. Well, uh, I think I know where this is heading. Uh, But here's the thing, listeners. I know uh, that helping is a part of my natural tendencies, Uh, but that's just me. You know, I I think it stems way back when I was a little tacker at school. In Nangwari? In Nangwari, the southeast of South Australia, yep. You know, whenever the teacher was looking for a help or um, a volunteer, I, I was always hands up wanting to be a part of the solution. You know, I would try to back myself in and, and hopefully achieve some results. The problem that, raise, that, that arises here is that um, uh, it comes with finding a balance. You know, often I'd jump in whether someone wanted me to fix it or not. And, you know, I love that about you most of the time. However, I can recall quite a few times over the years where all I really wanted was to tell you about our, my day I wasn't looking for a solution, but rather an opportunity to debrief, especially when the kids were really little. Just a little bit of history on that. I was a stay-at-home mum for the first six years of motherhood. I had a great group of support friends and I was quite social during the week, but I was also often at home for the whole day with babies or toddlers. And you were at work with big people and I was handling the little people back home. Yeah, well, you know what? Sometimes at work, the the big kids can be like little kids as well. Yeah, that's true. like that. But I do see the spending a day away from home opens up your world to more interaction with people. Yeah, absolutely. And my life was about nappies, sleep routines and talking to a two or three-year-old in sentences like, up you get, don't cry, you're a good boy. Just because I told you one of the kids hadn't slept for that afternoon, I actually wasn't looking for you to solve the problem. It was too late anyway. 
What I was really looking for was an opportunity to share my day, as boring as it might sound. And occasionally I was maybe looking to get a cuddle or some words like, you do such an amazing job with the kids or I really appreciate you. Yeah, that'd be um, words of affirmation, wouldn't it? Absolutely. And I do believe that's one of your love languages. It is. If I have it right, is that right? You are correct. How good I know my wife. You do. <laughs> yeah. I'm, although I'm, although I'm not sure, like in the beginning, I think you actually gave me a penny on uh, the first year that we were married that said, what's cooking? Good looking. Oh, uh, no words wow. of affirmation there. That would actually have to go down the worst person I can ever have given <laughs> yeah, you. I agree. And you never told me about a year later, did you? No, that's right. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. But I must admit, even these days, I still struggle and can't always tell the difference between you wanting to share your day or whether you are wanting to me to solve a problem. You know, I still get a little bit confused. And, you know, sometimes that's actually my fault because I'm not even sure whether I'm wanting to share the day <laughs> or get advice. But yeah. I actually think you're pretty good these days. Oh, wow. Tick. Yep. The main difference, I think, is years of experience. I've got better at telling you that I'm not looking for a solution and you have improved. In fact, All that work in those early years of our marriage has really paid off. I think we now share an even balance of being Mr or Mrs Fixit these days, don't you? Yeah, I do, I do. And we have some good stories about this topic, but the best place to look for a good story is in the Bible. Yeah, so true. You know, look, no, no matter what the topic, the Bible has it all. You know, if you want romance, war, uh, what else, murder. Yep, adventure. the adventure, mystery, or even uh, the underdog winning the day, um, between the covers of our Bible, we find it all. But it points out that there is a time to speak and there's a time to keep silent. I'm keeping silent. Good on you, Mandy. We find that scripture in uh, chapter 3 and verse 7 of Ecclesiastes, and it's just great advice. If we overcook things, chances are we'll burn it. That means once said, it's hard to retract and that it has the potential to wreck rather than to fix. So if we are looking for good advice, our Bible is a great place to start. So Jesus was all about fixing people's lives. From the moment he was baptised, he said in Mark 1 verse 15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. He was basically telling people, if you follow me, that if you trust me, that if you believe me, believe on me, I would change uh, who you are and give you a new direction. You'll become a standout amongst men and say things you've never said before. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, when we actually looked that um, scripture up, it made me really understand just how much Jesus always was able to put a simple slant on things and he never overcomplicated matters. Yeah, you know what? He, He knows the heart of all men and is able to cut to the heart. Sometimes in very few words, he was able to convict and confound at the same time. Yeah. And on this topic, Christ is the best example of not always being a Mr. Fixer. Look at the story in the Gospel of John where the woman had been brought by the scribes and Pharisees to Christ, having been caught in the very act of adultery. Yeah, well, actually, you know, we, we both love this story, we do. don't we? Uh, we find that story in the Gospel of John in chapter 8. This story contains two Fixer stories, really. So the scribes and the Pharisees on this day were looking to stitch Jesus up. Uh, He was a thorn in their side. Stitch him up? Yeah, stitch him up. Sew him up? No, not sew him up. Fix him up. Fix him up. Okay. Like a doctor? 
No, they wanted to sort him out. Okay, yeah. no worries, go on. You got that? Yeah, I've got that now. But Jesus, on the other hand, was trying to teach how he had come to fulfill the law. So let us just um, set the scene here on this one. So Jesus was teaching in the, the temple. You know, he'd come across the, um, from the Mount of Olives to the, across the Kidron Valley. Uh, like he'd done the day before, and uh, and there he was again, back in the temple, t- uh, teaching again. You know, when all of a sudden uh, they they were in the temple, they were interrupted by the scribes and the Pharisees as they thrust this woman into the midst and quoted to Jesus the law about uh, the law, which we read in verse five. This is what they quoted: "Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou?" as they held this woman in the midst of them. You know, Jesus was their problem, the scribes and Pharisees, I mean. They, he was a problem to them. They wanted him to be fixed once and for all. They wanted resolution. They, they actually wanted this guy eradicated. Yeah, so sad. When you look at what Christ actually did when he walked on the earth, it's just so sad. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, back then, you know, he was on the mount. It talks about the last, the chapter before this, that the um, everybody went to their own homes, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Yeah. It talks about how the the foxes have their holes and the birds have their nests, but the Son of Man have nowhere to yes. lay your head. You know, the most amazing person ever walked the earth, and, and that's how he was. What a humble man yeah. he really was. And this know. was a really great opportunity for them to remove him. They just wanted good, him yeah. out of there. They wanted to fix him up good, yeah. you know. Everybody, including the woman, even that day, would have been thinking, how will Jesus respond to this question? He had two ways to go here. If he was to condemn her, you know, he would have been out of his jurisdiction. And if he was to uh, let her go free, he would have been going against the law. So there was a double barrel here at him. And no matter how he answered, they knew they had him right where they wanted him, you know. So, but they asked him the question, you know, when you've been asked a question, Mandy, and someone's asked you a really hard question and you know you've got to answer and you, oh, yep. and you think, oh, how am I going to answer this? Ha- having teenagers actually does yeah, that one for you. You know, the moment, well, this is like, but this is worse because here we've got a woman who's looking yeah, at a death sentence. Life. Yeah, yeah and, uh, and they think they've got him right where they want him. But let's just see what he does. But Jesus stooped down. And with his finger, he wrote on the ground as though he'd heard them not. You know, I often wondered what he actually wrote in the sand that day. I have often thought how long he he wrote in the sand. And you wouldn't be the only person who've asked that question, I don't reckon, Mandy. You know, we know this story well. He didn't initially speak. He just bent down, no eye contact, removed all the emotion and made one statement to the scribes and Pharisees. He did not go into Mr. Fix-It mode, but reading on. So when they were continue, when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And then he just bent down again, stooped down again, and wrote on the ground. And so what, what happened next? Well, that was amazing. You can imagine the feeling here that was going on in this place at the time in the temple. In fact, after the questions were asked, everybody left. In one sentence, he had removed the sentencing. They knew the answer without even being accused. He had fixed them really good. One of the things I've really enjoyed about doing these podcasts and just looking at scriptures a little bit deeper was in this story, it was the bit in the scripture in uh, this story where it said how the Pharisees all left one by one 
starting with the older ones. Mm. I've never really seen that before. You know, when you gloss over a story in the Bible, you often miss some of the really key bits. And when I read this again, I thought, wow, you know, and if it gives any young married couples any confidence, age can help us to be a little bit more chilled as we learn from our experiences in life. I know for both of us, we started with a lot of pride, stubbornness and inability to always listen to each other. We would have been the last ones to leave. But we've come a long way since then. In fact, each year seems to be getting better. It's been a whip, really. Oh, not that whip again. Work in progress, absolutely. Yeah, work in progress. Yeah. So you're just trying to teach me about that, aren't you? you know, the other thing in this story is that Jesus also just asked a question of the woman. This is after they'd all gone. And she's standing there in the midst of uh, the, all the people in the temple and all those accusers are now gone. He just asked one question of the woman, where are the people who condemned you? You know, with the accusers now gone, he didn't set about telling her how to change her life. He simply said, go and sin no more. You know, less is often best. Uh, this is one of my favourite statements. It I know sometimes is. it annoys you, Mandy, doesn't it? Sometimes it's one. Yeah. Yeah. But firstly, it is one of my favourite stories. And I think just the wisdom that Christ applies reminds me that a soft answer has the best result. And less is definitely best. And there's such a balancing act, really, between wanting to debrief with you, ask for advice, or just have a convo about <laughs> something and knowing when to stop. And I know that's my issue. I know sometimes you look like you're on brain overload when I'm trying to debrief for the day. <laughs> I know I sometimes do go on, and especially about something that I'm passionate about or even annoyed about. But as we've grown older and more comfortable in our relationship, you have absolutely two camps you head to. Less is best, shut the conversation down, often with a, oh, well, that's good, or go into Mr. Fix-It mode, where often all I'm wanting is just a conversation without any solutions or early closure. Yeah, but I, I think I'm getting better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I've learned Definitely. That, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Thanks for that. Yeah, but I, I've, I have learned that we need to, or I need to, or we need yeah, to we listen, listen yeah. a lot more closely. And I've learned that you've got to have really good eye contact. You and, know. you know, that's quite difficult these days when yeah. there's things like, you know, you do have social media on yeah. your phone or, you know, if you're cooking in the kitchen. There's yeah. something really important about when someone's talking to you, just sitting down and actually having eye-to-eye -eye contact. Yeah, yeah. And you know you and you could be in the middle of doing something and you think that's so important and someone's trying to have a convo yep. as you said with you and now you have to be taken away from the thing that's important to you to listen to the convo. Yeah. That balancing part you talked about is so true. Yeah. How do you balance that out? I agree with that. But I've also um, worked out you have to acknowledge every now and then with a bit of a, a head movement. Yeah, you know, show that you know. you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if you're really listening when you, if you do that head movement though. Do you reckon yeah. you are? Yeah. Um, and well, if you, if you respond accordingly, then I'll know that your head movement's working. Yeah. Anyway, and you've just got to try and work from there to see where the conversation goes, eh? Hey? And I think we've worked on this one, and it isn't such a problem now. Even for me, I've learned to not go on so much. I feel quite comfortable telling you I'm not looking for a solution if you step into Mr. Fix-It mode, or more often or not, if you try to shut the conversation down when I'm just having a bit of a debrief on the day. And I think what I love about you is your empathy for others as well. You are such a caring person. Anyone who has ever met you, and you know, I have a lot of people say to me, oh, Danny, he's a really caring person. But I know when 
you are a good caring person, that a lot of people might seek advice or support from you. And once again, your Mr Fix-It hat can come out. But you know what? Being spirit-filled and led by God, it is a really great opportunity for both of us to help others. And we are very different in this area too in how we support others. Yeah, you know, you are so right about that. And and the truth is, and I have to admit it, I do uh, like to wear my Mr Fix-It hat in this area. Um, and it sometimes makes me a very busy person as I'm right in there trying to help others. Yeah, but when I look at you though, Mandy, I find you doing the very same thing differently. You know, yep. and it doesn't... We are actually our um, our worst enemies, yeah, but in are. a really good way. Yeah. But it doesn't surprise me, though, Mandy, uh, as it outlines your favourite scripture in Galatians 6, verse 10. Do you mind if I read that out? Go for it. Yeah, OK. So um, it says, as we have, therefore, opportunity, Paul says, let us do good to all men. And do we have opportunity today? We have an amazing amount of opportunities, so much good to a lot of people. So it's definitely there. So to do good to all men. And then he comes up with this amazing word, which I know you love to use. Do you want to use that word? Especially. Especially. Especially unto them who are of the household of faith. You know, it it supports uh, my Mr. Fix-It hat tendencies it does. Yeah, I love that scripture. And I know it says to do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of God. But helping is slightly different to fixing other people's problems. You know me, I love helping out. And I know even for me sometimes that I do maybe overhelp and overcommit. Mm-hmm. But um, this scripture is such an important one that we need to take care of our brothers and sisters. Anyway, back to this scripture and doing good. Another episode, we'll look further at helping others. What does the Lord expect from us and when should we help others? But who to help, when and how much? That is definitely for another yeah, episode. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. So a story I can recall back in our heyday related exactly to my husband, Mr Fixit. How often did we go out on dates? Yeah, that was very far and few between when Th- I think about it. This was like when the kids were little. Yeah. Yeah, they were very far and few between, weren't they? They were. We didn't actually have a a really fantastic network of babysitters. Um, My parents lived interstate and Danny's parents didn't have a car. So we pretty well did everything as a family. Yeah, busy busy in the um, fellowship doing things together. But it was really good to go out on a date night and I was always excited. So on this particular night that I'm going to uh, talk about, our kids were still young and I'd actually organised your mum to babysit Well, we went out on a much-needed and very rare date. Mm. Your mum had arrived and we were dressed to go out, and I was very excited, uh, when you received a phone call from a sister in Christ. Oh, actually... That's a long time ago, isn't it? It was. I, I remember that night. I'd say around 1985. Yeah, it was a long way back. Um, that sister who rang, uh, she had a real need. She she really needed some help that night, Mandy. Yeah, possibly. And I know you just jumped in and offered your Mr Fix-It service immediately, putting our dinner on hold. Oh, wow. Off you rushed on that white horse, Armour Shining. <laughs> when I think about it in my previous podcast, I did used to daydream about having a a um, man in shining armour, so I did get it. There you go. And, you know, off you went. And I was left with your mum. Your mum was already there and uh, I was in the woodshed with your mum and I was, to say it mildly, a little annoyed. I was chucking wood into the wheelbarrow and with a great deal of force and I was annoyed that our date night had been delayed. Oh, wow. And I was actually quite verbal in front of your mum. And what did she do? Well, she grabbed my arm and she said, 
let me do this. You go inside with the kids and I'll finish off. Oh, good old mum. Yeah, good old mum. But when I think about it... I I, love my mum. I can't even think how old your mother would have been, but I left your mum in the woodshed... You remember our woodshed? Yeah. There's spiders and dark, and it was actually quite hard to get the wheelbarrow out of the woodshed How around the bend. How dare you leave my mother yeah. in the woodshed? Anyway, she was quite um, she was quite determined about that. She said, go in and uh, I'll finish off. I understand you're upset. You put the kettle on and let's see what happens. Not once, when I think back on it, did she defend either you or me. She was good at not getting involved in our marriage. She just allowed my annoyance to settle and we got the fire up and running and we sat down to a cuppa and I've never forgotten that evening. You know, as I sat watching the embers, I realised that there would always be another opportunity for this date night. I had a husband, you, who me. loved me and you also cared for our family of God and I had a mother-in-law who had some pretty special qualities. Your mum is pretty special. And, you know, when I think about it, even to this day, mum is like that very few words. I wish I could be my, like my mum sometimes when I think yeah. about it. Yeah, very few words. And, and it, she comes out with one-lines, which usually have a, a good effect from time yep, to time. she does. But if I remember right, when I came home, I think we were too late to go on that date, weren't we? We were. Yeah, but we we made up for it. Did we? Did we make up a little not long after? Uh, we did, and we've been making up for it ever since. Yeah, there but, you go. You know, if this happened every week it would be a very different story. Well, you know, I, I know that um, some marriages there is a, a Mrs. Fix-It, though, Mandy. We talk about the Mr. Fix-It, but in some marriages there's a Mrs. Mrs. Fix-It. It's not always the male who uh, in the marriage exhibits these tendencies. Yeah, I agree with that. Even uh, for myself, I, I'm not uh, so much a Mrs. Fix-It person. Maybe I am. But, you know, one of the things that I do notice, even as, you know, maybe we're retired and we're at home, often when you do something... I think you probably do do it pretty well perfect, but I do notice my Mrs. Fix-It mode is to go and maybe just fix it a little bit more perfectly or point out to you that you could do it differently. I think the main things to remember in a marriage is to find a healthy balance in how you react to your spouse's conversations. I think the main point we have learned is to listen and acknowledge that we are listening and to see if the other person is asking for advice. I think what I love about you now is sometimes you actually ask me, are you wanting an opinion about this or are you just trying to debrief or do you want help? And I actually do like it when you actually put that in because it actually makes me realise I am actually going on and there's actually no solution to this. And it, it helps me to understand I may just be going on or debriefing too much. You know, it makes such a difference if your husband or wife knows that you are there to support them, but really only when it's needed. Anyway, Mr Fixer, I think we've covered everything here. I I enjoyed listening to that, Mandy, but no, there's more, I think. Um, Another area which can be very disempowering is when Mr or Mrs Fixit jumps in and takes over and not understanding uh, that their advice was only being sought, not permission to take over and fix the problem. This can have a really negative effect. It takes away the confidence of the person who was just seeking advice or support. That's actually a really valid point, not only with your spouse but with your children as well. Nothing is worse than stripping away the confidence of an individual by inadvertently disempowering the person who was asking for help. And not only little kids, like as you know, we've got older, we've got adult children and sometimes uh, your adult children, you know, even when they're married, can come to you for advice. It's not actually our role to fix it. And I think, 
that's really what I was saying about your mum. Your mum has been amazing in mm. being able to listen and sometimes I'm having a conversation with your mum and she's just quietly listening. And I actually come up with a solution myself and then I say, thanks, Mum, that was really helpful. I need and to she be, said nothing. I need to be more like my mum. Yeah. So I think, you know, it is really important that we don't take over and fix problems where someone's just asking for a bit of advice. Yeah, I think so. Uh, as we look to conclude here, John the Baptist gave some really good advice in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 30. He says, he must increase, talking about Jesus, but I must I must decrease. You know, it's so important that we include Christ and put him at the forefront of all issues. You know, because you know, like Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. You know, it's a three words, but it's, there is so much in those three words to learn of me. You know, to really try to understand what Christ was trying to teach us. If we could set our examples on him, we'd do so much more. He said, learn of me. He said, because I am meek, which means he's gentle or humble and lowly of heart. And you shall find rest or or an intermission or a well-earned break for your souls. He said, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And, you know, the funny thing is we can actually make our load quite heavy by not just even thinking about those scriptures. Like I think under pressure sometimes we go to the natural and we like fire up. But when we actually look at some of these scriptures and we actually look at if we lean on Christ, that it's just going to really benefit in our relationship together. Jesus really knows us and our problems far better than we can really appreciate. But as we look to be a uh, Mr. Fix-It, May we be wise in our approach. May our words not be seen as just a quick fix. Some problems require genuine patience. Yeah. Um, and time. And time, yeah. yeah. You know, and may we discern if the, if the situation requires a solution or merely consultation with an ear of empathy. Yep, I agree with that too. But in all honesty, the Bible has so many fix-it solutions for our lives. You know, it is the best fix-it toolbox with tools readily available for every circumstance within our marriage. But for now, stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And we'd love to hear from you. Rate or comment on your podcast app or drop us an email at podcast at he says, she says, God says dot com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram or check out our webpage www.hesayssheesaysgodsays.com. But until next time, he says, she says, God, God says. says. I suppose it's, yeah, anyway, I'm going to stop that one, okay, because that was just a load of waffle. Um, start again, take two. Okay, take three. Do you want to go s- take four? <laughs> okay, take take four. I thought that was me. You're making a lot of mistakes today, I am, Mandy. sorry, hun. All right, you go tell him. I give that about a six out of ten. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. 